Hello, and welcome to this episode of Sticky Note Marketing. I am so excited this week. We have another guest expert to bring their knowledge, their expertise, their inspiration and experience to us today. So today I'm welcoming Nancy Geary. Thank you, Nancy, for being here with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. So if you are not a follower of Nancy already, which you should be, and the links will be with this episode, but Nancy is a course creation expert. And I know there are a lot of you who've been sending me questions about how do I start a course? How do I get this launched? That's what we're going to be digging into today. And Nancy works with businesses of all different sizes, from solopreneurs to Fortune 100 companies, and she helps them turn their expertise into high-profit courses. So she creates engaging, fun, and interactive programs that really get results. So if that sounds good to you, stay tuned to get those sticky notes ready and uh, active to take notes. So thank you and welcome, Nancy. Thank you. So I know I uh, got a little bit of a bio and a little bit of background on you, but I always invite folks and I'd love for you to share a little bit more about how did you get from there to here, a little bit more about your background that you think that the audience uh, should know. Well, you know, like a lot of people, I, I sort of fell into working in training. Uh, uh, my boss many years ago said, hey, we need to create a course to train our, the people that work on the floor in the, in the bank to teach insurance products. And, you know, you're a good talker. How about, how about you to put that together? I said, sure. I had no idea what I was doing. Now this is back in the day when everything was in person. That's how long ago <laughs> this was. And I, you know, I put it together and I think it was okay, but you know, I got a lot of calls afterwards, which led me to believe that there was some things that might've been missing from what I did. Hmm. Well then fast forward a couple of jobs and I went to work for a company where our mission was to create courses that delivered on uh, three and a half inch discs <laughs> <laughs> because th- that was self-instruction at that time. You know, it had gone from paper to plastic. Oh, sure. And yeah. because it was, you know, we, we were creating all of these courses for hire and they had to be done quickly. There was a whole methodology that we followed called instructional design. Mm. I knew nothing about it until... I took that position. Well, I was very fortunate. You know, it's one of those moments in a career that you don't you don't necessarily appreciate it when it's happening, but you look back on it and you go, wow, that was a game changer. So while I was there, I'm doing the work. I'm learning how to create effective training. I had a quality assurance manager and a direct manager that reviewed everything that I did and gave me feedback in terms of, okay, how do we make it better? Mm. And... They brought in a Governor State University to teach us instructional design at the graduate level on our lunch hour. So it was like this perfect storm of doing the work, learning about the work, and getting regular feedback, which I think made a huge difference in my career. And it also leaned into my, my nature to be service-minded it, throughout my career, so I've worked with people, whether whether on the inside in a corporation or as a consultant, it's like, how do we make it better? Mm-hmm. How can I help you to do a better job in building out your courses? And it's just uh, been a very fulfilling to be able to pay it forward. That's fantastic. I love how those those things kind of sometimes just happen in the perfect constellation of of events to, to help bring us to where we are now. So yeah, yeah, definitely. And you've got other new news. So one of the things I definitely want to make sure we talk about today is your new book. So yes, 
you guys haven't <laughs> heard, there's an amazing new book out there called <laughs> Bundle Your Brilliance. And it's all about how to turn your expertise into profitable online courses. So That's what the is title. your favorite thing about bringing this book to life, Nancy? Well, my favorite thing about this is, you know, I distilled all my years, I have 30 years of experience, and I looked at it and said, how can I make this really practical how-to to take people from idea to implementation? Mm-hmm. So there's not a lot of theory. There's, It's really just this, this is how we do it, right? <laughs> and and I, I've gotten great feedback. I've been very thrilled I hit the international bestseller status in distance and online learning right out of the gate. Yay. Nice. And I've got, I've got several five-star reviews and people that I work with, they, they, they're reading it cover to cover. They're reading it multiple times and it helps them because it, it carries forward my, my approach. So we have a meeting, we, we talk about, here's your next step. Then they can read about it in the book and that can kind of help them keep going. And I loaded it up with, a lot of checklists and tools and templates that people can use. So it's really, my mission was to create something practical because it to me, it was heartbreaking the amount of people that were cranking out online courses with no design, no thought. They're, they were really uh, recorded webinars disguised as mm-hmm. online courses. And I think that people weren't showcasing their brilliance. Like they didn't stop and think this is part of my brand. This is part of who I am. So if I don't deliver something that works, you know, there's a potential negative impact. I mean, I wonder how it would be great to have a show of hands, (laughs) but how many people out there watching this or listening to this have signed up for a course and just was like, Oh my God, this is so boring. You know, I can't, you know, I gotta, I can't stand it. And then they're out. Right. And then they don't get the knowledge they needed. They don't get the change right. they needed. You're not delivering right. the value you'd hope to, right? Yeah. Exactly. No, I love that. So practical, actionable. So mm-hmm. thinking about, I know you work with teams, with individuals. I know you do a lot of speaking yes. and influence crowds. Um, when you're thinking about some of those big challenges that people are coming to you at, that you, those frequently uh, heard pain points from folks, what are, what are the most common ones that you're, uh, working on right now that you're tackling with your with your clients and with your your audiences. One of the biggest challenges that people have is they go, man, I've got all this content. What mm-hmm. do I what do I do? How do I organize it? How do I put it all together to have it make sense? What should I include? What don't I include? What if I leave something out? You know, that's in in it's just really they get overwhelmed by all this disparate information and then we'll have, you know, and looking at a way to pull it all together. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the first one. And then the, the second one is oftentimes people don't start with the outcome in mind. You know, the old, you know, Stephen Covey begin with the end in mind. They don't look at what's the place that I want to get people to where are they now? And, you know, what do I have to do to close that gap? Mm -hmm. And I think then, and not really being intentional about it and, and really um, purposeful. It, it, I think, you know, I get it during the pandemic, people panicked and they had to get stuff out quickly, but mm-hmm. now it's time to, you know, take a step back and go, okay, what can you do to level up the learning experiences that you're providing so that people will really be able to um, en- not enjoy consuming them and, you know, get the benefit from it. It's um, 
it's really comes down to not thinking about this from a design perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you're not going to build a house without a, without a drawing and a plan. No, definitely. I, I, you're singing, singing to the choir, but I love <laughs> the idea of not developing content for content's sake, right? It's, it's this whole idea of, well, we can talk about this and we have talked about this and we have all this information out there, but never stopping to ask the question, well, is this the right information that's going to get mm-hmm. our audience to move through that journey with us and build exactly. that trust that we need to actually create a relationship? So I think that that's really important. And I know that one of the things that you share as a tip is that this content needs to do a couple key things, right? It needs to help us understand something in a clear way. It needs to help us move through things. So when you're thinking about talking to, let's let's think about someone who has all of this content, right? So not necessarily the person who's just starting to develop content maybe, but someone who is dealing with kind of deciding, okay, what of this can I use again, or should I bring back, or do I need to go an entirely different way? What would you say they should start to ask first? I think one of the first questions is, who do you serve? Mm-hmm. And what's the problem that you're trying to solve? You know, to, to really focus on your, your target audience, right? I think it's not unlike when you're really, when you're really developing any type of a product or service for sale, mm-hmm. who's it for? What's the problem? that it's going to solve or how is it going, you know, how is it going to improve somebody's um, existence? Got it. And then the second question is when they complete the program, what do you want them to be able to do? What do you want them to know? And how do you want them to feel? Hmm. And that then sets up kind of a, you know, you've got then a, a framework to operate in because you, you're real clear on, this is what the end game is going to be. So mm-hmm. everything that as you're working through your content, then you can you can sort it easily and go, does this fit with the outcome for this course? Yes or no. And if it fits, great. If it doesn't fit, put it off to the side for another day. And then to think about it from a, what's the need to know information and what's nice to know. And the main road through your course should be your need to know information. And then you can have other other content that they can look at that's nice to know. So I'm I'm looking at, you know, finally the person that makes online courses or other people is finally making an online course. And I thought about there's some interesting tools that people might want to use. I'm not going to put those in the main path. Those are going to be bonus content. So if somebody wants to learn um, about how to use uh, Mentimeter, for example, to, mm-hmm. for doing their surveys, instead of doing the survey it, that's um, available in Zoom. Mm-hmm. That to me, that's like they can go and they can look that up and go, oh, that 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 sounds interesting. I think it's more important to talk about how do you, how and when do you use a survey or an assessment, mm-hmm. and then the specific tools that you know can be in another kind of supporting piece or or bonus content. Uh, I just feel like you know it's it's you can get so caught up in it that you end up putting you know too much. A friend of mine uses the, the term too much too muchness. Yes. I like that. But it's true because then you start getting distracted. Then you you're like, okay, let me pause the course or let me pause my learning and I'll go look up at the website or I'll check out the technology or I'll worry about the tool set instead of really actually consuming the lesson and getting getting instead of thinking about well what's the if you're gonna do a survey, what's the purpose of it? Mm-hmm. What type of questions do you want to ask? I mean to really kind of get nailed nail down, well, what is the content? 
going to be in the survey and then go, okay, given my capabilities, what, how do I want to, how do I want to do it? That's such a good point. Hopefully you guys are all taking down these notes on your (laughs) sticky notes if you're not, take them out now. Well, so you mentioned, obviously, (laughs) yes, exactly. Sticky notes, love it. So you mentioned surveys, for example, including surveys in your courses or in instructional design. So what type of content are you seeing working really well right now for online courses? What kind of content should people really ensure or think about including in their courses? Well, I think I'm going to, I'm going to flip it and go from what, what doesn't work because you can deliver just about any type of, of content, mm-hmm. but there are certain tasks that people need to actually do and get feedback on. Mm. And that mostly, you know, so one of the examples that comes out of work that I did uh, with, uh, with a utility company was a, a whole curriculum about welding. You can teach all the math skills that they need to know online. And frankly, I was surprised at the amount of math that these guys had to know. I was like, wow, <laughs> we've got to, we're going up the trigonometry here. But you, so that can all be done in an online format. They can, they can, you know, practice, you can give them tests, they can do it all there. But when they get to the point where they have to cut a pipe or weld a pipe, they can watch videos, they can kind of get an idea of how it works. But eventually they have to pick up the tools and do the work. And somebody needs to give them feedback on, you know, is it correct? Is there a way that they'd be more efficient? Um, you know, the ergonomics of it, are they standing in a way that's, you know, or you think about like if somebody's learning to play golf, mm. you know, you can play golf in a video game, <laughs> but it's different when you're on the course or, little, you know, well, for mini- yeah. <laughs> miniature golf, you know, they got the windmills and you got all these other, all these other that's way more my, but, scene, but yeah, <laughs> that's my favorite. Uh, but you know, anything that's maybe more, uh, more physical Mm. or if people are learning on a, let's say communication, if I want to learn to be a better speaker, I can, there's certain things that I can do that I can practice on my own, uh, not to say, uh, and, um, and, but there's a point when somebody, you need to deliver the speech and somebody needs to tell you what's working, what's not working, how to, how to improve your delivery, you can't just do that independently. You have to get feedback if you want mm-hmm. to uh, excel. And that's, that's where you want to look at it is, is there a need for me to provide direct feedback on the performance for them to be able to be successful? Or is it something that's just really building knowledge, mm-hmm. like learning a math skill, learning how to use Microsoft Excel, learning how to do video editing, things like that. You can probably get it from watching mm-hmm. and doing it online and then in, and practicing. Mm-hmm. But even, even there, I'm, I'm going to sort of go back maybe on video editing. It's good to have somebody give you feedback uh, somewhere mm-hmm. along the way. So that's really, you know, when do you really think, when is it going to make a difference that you're directly involved? And again, the big word of the day seems to be feedback. <laughs> <laughs> No, but it's true. Like you're saying, there's only so much that we can do in a vacuum, right? Well, it looked like this on the instructional video. It looks like this when I did it. What did I do wrong, right? I followed all the steps or I did exactly what they said, but it still doesn't look the same. Kind of like me when I try to do those things on Pinterest that look so pretty. And then then it's the Pinterest (laughs) fail at my kitchen. I get to Canva and I go, what the heck? (laughs) 
<laughs> exactly. yeah, and I, I remember um, growing up, my mother saying, if you can read, you can cook. Mm. And the whole idea, you know, because there's a re- there's a recipe to follow. And if you put everything together exactly as it says in the recipe, it's probably going to be successful. Mm-hmm. The, the key is, though, did I follow the recipe? That's my problem. <laughs> yeah, so, I skip. I, yeah, yeah, I, I like to skip around, I like to improvise a little bit. Yeah, no, exactly. I'm going to add something else to this. <laughs> this looks like it's missing mm-hmm. something. Well, that's interesting. So as someone might be going through your course, if they're doing it out of order, does that come up? Is that is Are there ways to kind of bring people back or are there kind of guardrails that you need to think about when you're creating a course yeah. to keep people on track? Well, many of the, the platforms that courses reside on, they allow you to set it up so that people can't um, continue to uh, the next lesson unless they take the first lesson. So that's kind of your your choice. Does it matter? You know, is there a particular sequence that people need to follow or, you know, can they come in and pick up any any component uh, along the way? Got it. Okay. So that that is something that you might want to ask in that design process. Yes. Thinking about it. Yes. Is it really going to mess them up if they start to skip ahead or if they take this out of order or can I guide them through it in a more logical yes. Beneficial. Yeah. Does does the knowledge need to build on itself? Got it. Got it. Well, what about when people get stuck? So, are there gro- good ways or best practices for encouraging people to to get through the course, right? To make it more inter- interactive or more engaging. So you're talking about the the learner getting stuck, not yes. the, not the creator. Well, actually, both. Well, you know- <laughs> <laughs> I know that well, there's a lot of folks that are creating courses and get stalled halfway through too. <laughs> Exactly. So if you look at it from the learner perspective, I like to tell the story about when I was flying mm-hmm. and safety briefing comes on. Now, if the flight attendant is standing near me, I will I'll watch them. But if they're not, I don't pay attention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when the video comes up, I watch the video. And I think we're very conditioned to screens. And I was watching this one uh, safety video And I started counting the number of times that the scene changed and I stopped counting at 60. And this is like a three minute video. So one of the simplest ways to create engagement is to keep changing the scene. Hmm. And if you keep changing the scene, like going from being on camera to showing a presentation to doing a screen share, that can make all the difference in the world because every time it shifts, you know, you've got my attention. Mm. And I believe because we've grown up in the, you know, very few people started that are around today started out in the, in the radio days. There's a few, sure. but we're used to looking at something on a screen where there's a lot of movement. And then when, so when we get into our courses, particularly when they're like the, you know, the recorded webinars disguised as an online course, mm-hmm. they're so flat and boring because it's a lot of talking head. Got it. Um, and, you know, and I get it, you know, people, people needed to start and, you know, good, go out and do it with minimal viable, minimum viable product, but then you need to, to amp it up. Sure. So there's, there's, that's one way of doing it. And then the other part is get people into doing as quickly as you can give them an exercise early on. So they have to stop and they have to think, and they have to take some kind of action because mm. that will, will keep them um, engaged throughout the the process, and look at 
you know, how can you mix things up so that, you know, you, you know, like, again, keep it, keep it short, keep it to the point and have people keep moving and have them feel like they're, they're gaining some success. They're, they're picking up skills throughout the the cycle. That's mm-hmm. just so important. Well, cause it keeps that motivation and, up. It's like, Oh, look at me. I'm, exactly. I'm making, making progress. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I think one of the one of the challenges that we have, and I think a key distinction between what you can do in the corporate market and what's happening in the entrepreneurial market is, so in the corporate market, there's two distinct toolkits or tools, tool sets. Mm-hmm. There's the learning management system, which is where the courses reside for people to consume them, whether they're employees or customers. And then there are authoring tools that people use to build courses. And in these authoring tools, you can set things up so people are interacting on the screen. They're not, it's not just press next to continue, but it's maybe there's um, a, a flip card. So there's a term on the front of the card, you turn it over and the definition is on the back. Or there's an accordion where there's a, the, 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 the main list and then you click on each item and it expands. Uh, you can embed video. You can do a. There's a lot of opportunities to create interaction there that you can't do on the platforms that are more for the entrepreneurial market. There, and the other part of it, just back up. It's like everything is on a screen and you're just scrolling through, mm. and then there's a menu off to the side, but it's all right there in front of you all the time. Where the courses that exist on the platforms that are used by the entrepreneurial market, you have a menu, you click on it, you open it up, you play a video, you click on the next thing, you get a worksheet. It's like video worksheet, video worksheet, video worksheet. And that, and I think that my goal and what I'm kind of working on behind the scenes, so stay tuned, is how can I take that level of interaction that's in the tools that corporations can use and bring it to the entrepreneurial market? Mm. And I'm looking at different ways to, to do that now, I'm in, I'm in the, you know, the, the fact finding phase to figure out, okay, how do we, how do we make this work? Because I think there's another challenge on the entrepreneur side is if they want to sell a course into the corporate market, they're probably not going to want to have them go to their platform and take it, but they're going to want to have that course. They want to license it and put it on their um, company intranet, if it's for employees or Mm-hmm. Um, internet if it's for customers. So, you know, they want to have it on their, on their platform. Right. So you need to be able to, so that's easy. You know, you can build in an authoring tool and you can put it there, but you know, everybody's been kind of sent down this road of video worksheet, video worksheet, video worksheet. And I think it's kind of flat and kind of boring. Well, especially if, if like you were saying, some of those key things are switching the frame, giving those early achievements, those big wins, mm-hmm. right. And then trying yeah. different formats, right? So it's not always filling in a checklist or filling out a form or completing a template. Yeah. Different exercises will will kind of trigger their brain in different ways. Exactly. Yeah. And people will often they'll want to add it, I'll add in a quiz. And there's a there's an art and science to writing a good quiz. And oftentimes people will just do something like for the sake of mm. and you're you just wasting my time. But you you want to have it be where people have to think about to get the right, to get the right answer. Uh, and I see that at all the time where the questions are just, just, just badly written. And again, 
you know, just from my time and and the work that I've done with corporations, there's a whole lot of rigor that goes into writing a good test, um, particularly if there are topics that tie into things like safety mm. or um, the diversity and inclusion, phishing, things, you know, the cybersecurity, those tests, they need to be, because <laughs> they have to be able to prove we train people to do this. They completed it successfully. So if there's a problem, mm-hmm. um, they can say, hey, hey, we here's what we did. We trained everybody. <laughs> so, but anyway, I mean, so it, it's interesting how I think there's a way that these two markets kind of need to come together. Mm-hmm. And, it, and you know, tools are improving all the time. So probably my, my idea is probably uh, in play in other places too. So no, but it's a great filter for anyone listening to this that's trying to decide, well, what platform should I use or what kind of questions do I need to ask when I'm deciding mm-hmm. on my tool set or where where right. is my course going to live? Does it have that mm-hmm. functionality to not just have video worksheet, video worksheet, right? So yeah, exactly. It's that the experience. I like that. You know, and, and you know, the, the authoring tools, the, there's two that are, the uh, one of the most popular ones is made by a company called Articulate. And they have a browser-based application called Rise, which is really nice plug and play components. Not that difficult to build in, you know, it's, it, the, but the, the license is an investment. So you have to think about it, you know, from that angle, mm-hmm. you, do I want to bear the cost of this license? No, definitely. Well, thinking about the creator, I know you mentioned, okay, where are they getting stuck? Is it the learner or is it the creator? (laughs) For those creators or aspiring course creators who might be listening to this, what would you say to someone who maybe has tried and gotten stuck or has procrastinated in actually taking the next step with developing their course? Right. Well, the first big challenge uh, that people have is time. Mm. Because it's where, you know, what's the best use of my time? And let's face it, creating a course is a project. Mm-hmm. So where does this project, you know, is how important is this project in the total scheme of everything people have to do? You know, they're not like me, where all they do is create <laughs> courses. So it's a, it's a different, um, different, different approach because that's just what I do. But for somebody else, they're looking at, well, how do I, how do I do this? And, you know, the hundred other things I have to do to keep my business going. The other place that people always seem to get stuck is when it's time to record video. Hmm. Uh, people, they they don't want to do it. They're nervous about doing it. It's like, is my hair okay? You know, do I sound okay? And, oh my God, I can't stand looking at myself because it's, 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 it, it, it kind of freaks people out mm-hmm. and they become more, um, more judgmental of themselves, which is, which is too bad. Mm-hmm. What, um, what I'm finding is too, is when they're just recording on their own, they'll, I got to do it over. That wasn't good. That, you know, that wasn't right. So I've been recommending people, you know, get some people so you can be live and be talking to people when you're doing your recording, because that will naturally bring up your energy level. Mm. Sometimes when people record by themselves, it gets flatter, it gets quieter and they don't, they don't bring the energy to it that they need to. Those are two. I like that. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's true. And I think there's just watching yourself talk. There's not a lot of motivation. <laughs> I know, you know, and, and it's funny because they, you know, we talk about zoom fatigue because we're looking at ourselves all day long. This is not like if you and I were doing this and we were sitting in a, you know, having a drink or in a meeting room somewhere, I'd be looking at you. You'd be looking at me. You know, I wouldn't know if my hair's out of place. I wouldn't care, you know, cause we'd just be having a conversation, but it's, oh, it's, right. it's stressful to see ourselves all day long. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I think, you know, if we back it up a little bit, the other kind of point where people get stuck is when they're looking at all that content that they have and they go, man, how am I going to put this all together? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and and the stuckness comes from not thinking about what's that end goal going to be? Where do you want to take people to? So you've got a good filter to go this, keeping this in, kicking this out, keeping this in, kicking this out. Well, I love that filter, right? Because if we don't know where you want to, where is this course leading in your business? How does this fit into everything yeah. else you're offering? The it becomes impossible to know what to include. So I can totally see that yeah. as a great filter to use. That makes a lot of or sense. There's a fear. I got to. I got to put everything that I ever learned in. When in <laughs> fact, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Too much might be overwhelming, and then they'll yeah. be paralyzed and actually not complete what you want them to complete. So it's it's more of a problem of people eliminating than not having enough to say. I love that. That seems to be a bigger challenge. Reminder. Well, I wanted to bring it back to your to your book. So for those that are listening, if they are thinking, or if they are the kind of person who is what who who is the prime person who should immediately go out and buy your book, read it, if not multiple times? <laughs> um, well, prime audiences, authors, speakers, and coaches and small business consultants. That's a, mm-hmm. that's a main audience. I would also say um, if people are working in, in a, in a business setting, whatever their, their, their job might be, if they're, if they're new to course creation, mm-hmm. I think this book works really well because it'll get them started. It'll give them a process, give them all the tools that they need to get from end to end. And then if they, you know, if they choose to make a career, you know, out of training, then, you know, they can, they can dig deeper. But this to me is just, I'm very proud of the fact that it is so practical. Fantastic. There's no fluff. So no fluff, exactly what no you fluff. know, get it done, get it out there and change people's lives. Exactly. Fantastic. Exactly. Well, for all of you guys listening, we'll definitely include the link to connect you with that book right away and to also connect with Nancy if you'd like to dig in more with her on anything that she shared today. I know we were able to just scratch the surface on your genius and experience today, Nancy, but thank (laughs) you for sharing with us. Oh, you're welcome. Any parting thoughts for those aspiring course creators out there? I Just be intentional about what you do. Be real clear on who you serve and the problem you're trying to solve and what makes you unique in solving that problem. Fantastic. Thank you again, Nancy. I really appreciate you spending time with us here on Sticky Note Marketing. And for those of you, stay tuned. We're going to bring a few more experts in as part of this expert guest series and check out the show notes or the notes coming along with this episode to find out where to connect with Nancy, learn more from her, and definitely get your hands on her book, Bundle Your Brilliance. So thank you, Nancy, and we'll be talking soon. All righty. Thank you.